You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. So happy Mother's Day, moms. We are so excited to share this day with you and to honor you this day. And I would like, I would like to pray God's blessing over you. So let's pray as we begin our time in God's word together as well. Lord, thank you for our moms. They are a blessing to us. We are so grateful for them and we pray that they would feel honored and loved and valued today. But Lord, we know like any day like this, it also brings with it um, at times difficulty for those who have painful associations with this day. Maybe this day reminds them of loss. Maybe this day reminds them of conflict or some other pain point. And God, we pray for them that you would comfort, that you would encourage. And Lord, we ask for all of us that as we dive into your word now, you would make it come alive to us. Your word is so practical, so powerful. And we are grateful that we have this time to enjoy you and enjoy your word together. So we ask that you would reveal yourself to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So now we are going to turn our attention to God's word as we continue on in our study of Galatians. But as I was thinking about this passage today, I was reminded of something that happened just this last week to to Jamie and I as we were out on a run. And for those of you who watched the Facebook sermon preview this week, you heard some of this story and I'll finish that story now. But anyway, Jamie and I are out on one of our morning runs and we were just about back to our house. In fact, we were climbing one of the last hills that we have to climb to get back to our house. And it was at about that time that my phone rang. Now my phone doesn't usually ring on runs. So when it does, I make a point to pull it out and look at it and see who's calling. And like you, I have caller ID on my phone, which I absolutely love. You can tell who's, who's calling. And I have certain themes that I've set to my ringer. So I know if it's one of our leadership team, one of our elders or staff, And then I have just this general ringer for a number that's unrecognized. Well, it was the general ring that I heard, but I pulled out my phone anyway. And probably like you, if I don't recognize the number, I don't usually answer unless it has a local prefix to it, a local area code. And like you, I also get spam calls that use local numbers, but I thought, oh, you know, I'll roll the dice and pick this one up and see who it is. So I picked up the phone and, answered it and there's this voice on the other end of the line and she introduces herself as Angel. And Angel goes on to tell me that, you know, I'm not selling anything, I'm not soliciting for anything. We're just calling people randomly and sharing the Bible with them. Would it be okay if I shared some Bible verses with you? And I said, oh, that would be great. I said, I love the fact that you and others are calling people and sharing God's word with them. And just so you know, I love the Lord. I know the Lord, I love his word, and I happen to be running up a hill, but I'd love to hear what you got. Let's, let's hear something from the word. And at that point, there was this very pregnant pause and silence. And then she very quickly said, well, you know, I don't want to interrupt your run, but go to this website and look at it. And then she hung up. And I thought, well, that was a little weird. So when I got back to the house, I pulled up the website. And when I followed that link and went to that website and pulled up those pages, It took me back 2000 years to this very letter that we're looking at, this letter that was written to the Galatians. 
because on this website was a counterfeit gospel. It was a gospel that declared that the gospel of the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ is incomplete, that this is better, that there is more through this gospel. And it is that very message that was being taught and told to the Galatian church, to the Galatian community by some false teachers that had infiltrated that community with the expressed purpose of leading people away from the gospel, the only true gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you were with us last week, Pastor Gabe helped us see that they were putting this yoke, this burden, this weight on the people. They were saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is following Jesus Christ, but it's also following the entire law. And they were actually enslaving people through the very thing that were always intended to point to Jesus. Because see, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. The law was always put into place to prepare the people for when the Messiah, when Jesus Christ would come, who would fulfill the law. And so to follow him means to love him and to love other people. That is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus himself said that. But these false teachers were placing this heavy burden, this incredible spiritual weight on these people. And Paul was exposing that. And if you've been with us, he's been exposing that throughout the course of this letter. And if you were with us last week, Pastor Gabe rightfully reminded us that the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of freedom. We are called to freedom. So that begs the next question of, so how do we live that freedom? What does it mean to live our freedom in Jesus Christ? And that's where this passage we're gonna look at goes today. Well, as you can see from the surroundings behind me, we're in an orchard. And Paul very deliberately in this passage is gonna use this analogy, this comparison of fruit to help us understand what it means to live out our freedom. What does it mean to follow Jesus? How do we tangibly, practically know if we're growing in the Lord and what really is growing in our life? Well, he will come back time and time again to this idea of fruit. And so we'll look at that in just a little while. But I'd like to read this passage now it's chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, and I'd like you to watch with me how Paul tells us to live out this freedom in Jesus Christ. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and some translations say live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, and other translations, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying 
one another. So let's go all the way back to verse 16 and start there. It tells us to walk in the Spirit. Paul tells us to live in the Spirit. And that's actually written in the present tense in the original language. Because remember, he's writing to Jesus followers. This letter was written to a, a community of folks who, who knew the Lord. And so he's saying, follow the Spirit just as you have been. This is an ongoing continual thing that you need to continue to do. So go on living in the Spirit. So how do you do that? And I think that starts with remembering who we are and who we have. Gabe last week rightfully reminded us, we're children of God. We're God's kids. If we have right relationship with God through knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, which means then that we are free. And Gabe defined for us so well some of the differences in how freedom looks. Our world, our broken world, defines freedom as, well, doing whatever I want. But God defines freedom as being free to love and trust and obey Him. And because He's God, His terms are always better than ours. The type of freedom He offers us is always so much better than the freedom to do whatever we want, whenever we want. That actually enslaves us, ironically. It leads us down broken paths to broken things. And that's part of what Paul's point is in this passage that we've read. So we are called to freedom because of who we have, not what we have, who we have, the Holy Spirit. When you think of the Holy Spirit, what comes to mind? I always cringe a little bit when I hear people describe the Holy Spirit as an it. He is not Casper the Friendly Ghost. He is not an it. He is God. He is the power and presence of God in our lives. So we are God's children. We are free because of who we have. We have the Holy Spirit, God himself, literally living inside of us. And that is so important and so significant for us to understand. Because what Paul is basically saying here is if you have the Holy Spirit, you have all you need to trust and obey and love God. And so he goes on to remind us that we need this Holy Spirit. We need God himself because all of us are in a fight. In fact, even if you don't know God, don't have the Holy Spirit, you're in a fight. And I think one of the points that pervades what he's talking about here is you're in a fight and you need to win the fight. You see, all of us start out in the same place. We all start out fighting against God. That was certainly true for me. You know my story, many of you, but in high school, I wasn't self-aware enough to have been able to have told you at that time in my life I was fighting against God, but that's practically what I was doing. I mean, I had friends who were Jesus followers who would tell me about the Lord and I, I wanted nothing to do with it. But at the same time, I also knew that I was empty. You know, grades and a girlfriend or sports or the other things that were important in my life, those weren't truly fulfilling to me. I knew there was something missing, but I was almost hostile to any talk about religion 
or Jesus or God, not realizing that, you know, religion, empty religion and Jesus are two very different things. And so I had these friends who kept inviting me to come to this thing called Young Life. And I finally decided to go to it and I liked it. You know, I didn't really care for the, the Jesus stuff, the Jesus talk, the Bible talk, but I liked the rest of it. But over time, God, as he does, helped me realize that I actually was fighting against him. And that was a fight I needed to lose. You see, there's a fight you need to lose and there's a fight that you need to win. And the fight you need to lose is you need to stop fighting against God. Are you fighting against God this morning? Even for those of us who do know the Lord, don't we fight against God at times? And yet we need to fight with God on our side because we are up against an adversary. We step into the ring with an adversary when we choose to follow Jesus that will clean our clock without God's help. We are overmatched. And that again is another one of Paul's points here is the power and the prevalence of our sinful nature, the brokenness that pervades all of us. Look what he continues to say in verse 16. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now we need to define terms here once again. What do you think of when you think of flesh? Well, he's not talking about the meat on our bones. He's not literally saying the flesh in that sense. He's talking about our whole person. He's talking about not just our body, but our soul, our mind. This is a holistic way of describing all of us. And really scripture says we're up against three adversaries in this life. We have an adversary named Satan we have an adversary in this broken world, but we also have an adversary in our flesh. You know, how does that quote go? We have met the enemy and he is us. That's the point here. One of our greatest enemies, ironically, is ourselves, is the brokenness that pervades so much of who we are and what we do. And that's one of Paul's points here is you cannot underestimate the power of the flesh. And therefore we need to recognize the reach of our sinful nature, how it reaches into all aspects of our lives. I've mentioned to you that one of the projects that we're doing around our house in this shelter in time season is we're doing a lot of painting. We're not painting the entire interior of our house, but some days it does feel like that. It's a lot of painting. And I have this unique gift of whenever I paint, I somehow get paint all over me. I'm careful. I don't get it on the carpet. I don't get it on other things, but somehow at the end of the day, I get it all over me and I find it in the craziest places. I find paint on my elbows, on my neck, you know, on my, on my legs. And it's like, how in the world did it get there? It's everywhere. And so is the brokenness of our flesh. When you think of sin, how do you define that? When you think of sinful brokenness, what, what comes to mind? 
you know, at its, at its base, I think we would say, well, it's the bad things, quote unquote, that I do. But that actually is not Paul's point here necessarily. In fact, it's far bigger and far more significant than that. Look what verse 16 says once again, he talks about the desires of the flesh. And actually in the original language, that can be translated the over desires of our flesh. How much of our sinful nature, how much of our flesh, as Paul is describing it here, is a good thing that has become distorted? A good thing that has taken on too much importance in our lives and therefore our actions, our values, our motives, everything begins to become focused on that and it's an overemphasis. And that's what it means by desires here, over desires, good things, that have become ultimate things, good things that have become distorted. And I know we've talked about this before, but this shelter in season, this whole thing with, with COVID, I think has exposed a lot of over desires in our culture, a lot of misplaced values for all of us because all of us have this tendency, this propensity to take a good thing and to make it an ultimate thing. What is this revealed to us about where we find our security? What is this revealed to us about how important it is and what lengths we will go to, to make sure that life is normal, comfortable? And then we begin to think about this through the lens of, well, how important is my job really? How important is how much money or resources I have really? How important is my time? You begin to go down this road. And by the way, all those things we just talked about are good things, are legit things. Comfort, security, money, a job, normalcy, comfort. Those aren't bad things. Those are all good things. But they're all good things that we can distort and want too much in our lives and place too much emphasis and too much value on. And that is exactly what Paul is talking about here, that the flesh will cause us to do. It amplifies these legitimate things and makes them into ultimate things. And that's exactly the point he's making, is that there is a brokenness that pervades so much of what we say and what we do. And this is how it practically impacts us in verse 17, and you'll see on the screen there, this is from the English Standard Version because I like how this makes this a little more clear than what we just read here in the NIV, but it says this, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And there's actually a really encouraging word in there for those of us who do know and, and love the Lord is that in our ongoing battle with the flesh, our strongest desire is not necessarily our deepest desire. Our strongest desire is what comes at us in the moment, and many times it is a broken desire, and it's so powerful and so incredibly challenging to resist. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been given a new heart, a new center of your motives and values, and yes, desires, and so therefore, what you most deeply desire is to please God 
and to love God and to honor God. That's intrinsic in that verse we just read. It keeps us from doing the things we wanna do. At the end of the day, in my heart of hearts, what do I most wanna do? Man, I wanna love and follow and trust God. But that's not always my strongest desire in the moment. Because sometimes that strongest desire is a very broken, sinful, selfish desire. You know, by, by way of example, once again, this last week, I walked into the room and some of my family were there and there was something that I had wanted done, an expectation I had with one of them. And rather than talking about that and surfacing a conversation about that, which could have caused some conflict, I just made this snarky, passive aggressive comment and, and moved on. And it was very much a mixed message and it was, it was wrong. And I don't wanna be like that. But sometimes in my desire to avoid conflict, I will act like that. My deepest desire is to have healthy, good, open communication with the people in my life I love, especially. I, I want that to be right. And yet, in my brokenness, in the strongest desire in the moment, maybe I'm trying to avoid conflict or whatever, I'll do or say something that I know isn't right. And, and that's the point. Our deepest desire and our strongest desire are at war with each other constantly. And so that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to live our life being led by Him, walking with Him. So, Okay, let's, let's really cut to the chase here. So what does that look like? How do we know if we're doing that? How do we know if we're walking in the Spirit? Well, Paul is going to dive into that and we're gonna go there in just a little bit. But for now, we're gonna take some time to worship and to enter into music worship and to consider not only what we've talked about, but what this next part of the passage is gonna talk about with us. And so Sarah and our worship team are now gonna lead us in some time of music worship. Ah, oh, that was so great. Thank you, Sarah and Maria and Isabella and Isaac. Love having some of our kids lead us in worship because we want to welcome the Holy Spirit. We want to welcome His power and presence in our lives. And so let's turn our attention once again to what Paul is telling us in this passage about how we live out the power of the Holy Spirit, how we walk in the Spirit. And it fundamentally starts with what's growing in your life. Because now he's gonna give us two lists of the type of quote unquote fruit that is growing in our life. And we'll start with the first list. And by the way, these lists aren't exhaustive. They're not comprehensive, either one of them. There are more things that can fit into either list but this must have been what the Galatians were struggling with or what they were up against or what they had come out of as well as what God was doing in their lives. But the first list is really a list of spiritual deadness. This, I guess, isn't spiritual fruit, it's sinful fruit. And so he begins to, to walk through this list, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. And we'll define a couple terms there, sexual immorality, this comes from the word in the original language, porneia, which is where we get our word pornography from, but it's far more than that. This is really the junk drawer 
of sexual sin. This literally means that anything that is outside of one man and one woman in a covenant lifelong relationship commitment for life, any sexualized relationship outside of that is broken and sinful. Think with me how much that encompasses, how much brokenness that includes. Impurity is also referring to sexuality. Debauchery is out of control sexuality. If we jump down to the to a couple of verses below that, we see drunkenness. Well, we know what that is. Orgies, and by the way, this isn't talking about sex. This is actually talking about out of control drinking parties. That's basically what that means, is substance abuse. Our current drug culture would relate to this and is being described by this. And yes, all those things involve our body, but this once again shows us what Paul means by the flesh. He's talking more than just our body because look what else makes the list. What else leads to spiritual deadness here? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. Well, those are all about relationships. That's about motives. That's about our mind. That's about our heart. And once again, this illustrates for us that what we're talking about here, walking in the Spirit, knowing and following and trusting and obeying Jesus Christ is more than just behavior change. This is far more than behavior. This is emphasizing and underscore the need for a savior. We need a complete inside out change. And this is the type of thing that we need to be saved from. And that's exactly what happens when you receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and savior and his spirit comes and then dwells in you and you walk with him. It's a transformation. And that's actually what is described in this, in this next verse. Look what it says, and it's a warning, but it's also very encouraging. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, there's a really strong and necessary warning there that transformation is not optional, it is essential, but it's also profoundly hopeful because it assumes that a transformation is going to take place, which is so amazing. And that's why we need to believe and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes like me, there are some of you who have bought into the lie that your strongest desire in the moment is more powerful than your deepest desire to trust and obey God. And that is categorically absolutely not true. And that is what Paul is declaring here. The power of the Holy Spirit is stronger and deeper than whatever brokenness or sinfulness you and I are up against. And that's a reality we need to not only buy into, we need to believe by living it out. And that's the point here. Believe and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And to further make and illustrate his point, now we come back to the fruit. And that's what Paul is talking about here. In this next verse, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And as we prepare to walk through that list once again, I think there are a number of reasons why Paul uses fruit to describe what it means to grow in our personal holiness 
in our distinctiveness of living for Jesus and looking like Jesus in what we say, how we act, what we think, what we do. Because fruit starts out small. This apple I'm holding in my hand, it came from a seed. And yet over time, it grows. In fact, there's an inevitability to that. It is going to grow, maybe slowly, maybe incrementally, but it is gonna grow and it is going to change. And that little seed has incredible potential. And I think all those dynamics are true when it comes to growing in Jesus Christ, in walking with the Holy Spirit, in living out his power. And it's gonna take work, but it's gonna happen. And it's gonna take place. And yes, it may be incremental. In fact, I think one of the best passages that talks about this balance of what God does and what we do in partnership together is 2 Peter chapter one. In fact, I've, I've memorized one of the pieces of that. In 2 Peter chapter one, verse three, it says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. And when he talks about knowledge there, he's not talking about necessarily head knowledge. It's far bigger than that. He's talking about experiencing God. We have everything we need through the power of the Holy Spirit to experience God. But it does not mean that we do nothing. Because just a couple verses down, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he will say, make every effort to add to your life. And then he'll go through a series of spiritual fruit. In fact, much of the same spiritual fruit or qualities that we're talking about in this very verse. So believing and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit is yes, tapping into and living out the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's also you doing your part and me doing mine. It does take effort. It does take work. Growing fruit takes work. This orchard that I'm standing in didn't just happen. It took cultivation, it took time, and it takes work. And I think that's one of the dynamics that Paul is emphasizing here in the fruit of the Spirit. Because as we look at these, love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, self-control, those things don't just happen, they take work. But at the same time, you don't just add them to your life. This isn't just about personal effort. This is about these characteristics being cultivated in your life and mine as we tap into the power and live out the power of the Holy Spirit, which begs the next question then, okay, so if we're in this fight, if there's this constant battle against our flesh, against our sinful nature that resides in all of us, how do we grow fruit in the midst of that? How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we live out the Spirit? when that's what we're up against, this constant war, this constant battle. And he continues to answer that for us. Look what he goes on to say in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He tells us to crucify our sinful nature. Well, what does that mean? And I think that's a very deliberate choice of words on Paul's part. 
I mean, think about this for a moment with me. People back then would have probably understood if he would have said, you need to spear your sinful nature. Or you need to crush it. Or you need to kill it. But instead, instead he says, crucify it. And I think there's some reasons for that. I think really what he's saying is, look at your sinful nature through the lens of the cross. Through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. What has Jesus done for you? What has Jesus freed you from through his death, burial, and resurrection, and then your response of receiving him into your life? Look at the cross. And I'll give you a very practical example of this from my own life. And I've mentioned this before, but in my brokenness, in my sin nature, people-pleasing takes on too much weight and too much importance for me at times. Once again, a good thing that has become distorted because of my brokenness, my sinfulness, to become a selfish thing, to become something that's too important to me. Yes, of course you want to be kind. You want to get along with people. You want there to be an absence of conflict. But what links will you go to in order to have that? And that's where people-pleasing can become distorted and become something that is an over-desire that is too important in my life. And so I find that when I'm doing battle with that, in any given situation, I have to crucify that desire. So I think about it in light of the cross. You know what? I have a hard conversation I have to have with this person, and I have those often as a pastor, and this person is not going to be happy. In fact, they may even be angry with me. They may be resentful. There's probably going to be conflict. But I can have that conversation because I don't have to depend on their approval like it's oxygen for me to feel okay about myself or for me to do what I know is right. Because God loves me, because he's demonstrated that love for me by going to the cross for me and rising again from the dead, because he sees me in my brokenness and still loves me anyway, I have the power and the ability to have that hard conversation and to not allow my brokenness towards people-pleasing to rule the day and to keep me from having that. That's an example of what I think Paul's talking about when he says to crucify your sinful nature. Remember what Jesus has done for you and then own that and then live that and then believe that and that in turn will begin to grow spiritual fruit in your life. And that happens as we go to this next verse here by keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And my friends, there is so much depth and encouragement to this entire passage, but especially to that verse. Let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. What does that suggest? What does that assume? That God is always at work in your life and in mine. The Spirit doesn't need to keep up with you. You and I need to keep up with the Holy Spirit. Because my friends, there will come times in your life, seasons in your life, maybe this is one of those right now, where you are battling against brokenness in your life and you keep losing the battle. You are battling against your flesh, 
flesh against your sinful nature and you keep losing time and time again, it can be so profoundly discouraging. I mean, aren't there times when it feels like in one of those battlegrounds in your life or mine that you take one step forward and two or three steps back and it's so profoundly discouraging and sometimes it feels like, God, are you doing anything? Is there any fruit in my life? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Because I sure don't see it. And boy, does it feel lonely when you find yourself in that place. In fact, sometimes you look around and you wonder if God's doing anything anywhere. I was having one of those moments not long ago. In fact, I got out a thankfulness journal that I keep very purposefully to remind myself of what God does, but also to remind myself of how God has met me in some of those times. And as I was reading through this thankfulness journal that I've been keeping now for almost two years, I was reminded of a season this last fall. It was a hard time for our family. In fact, many of you know our story, but we would just like to forget last year. It was a time of incredible crisis in our family. And leading up to really the culmination of all that crisis was this season in the fall that was a difficult one. You see, last fall, my dad had just fallen in for the first time and had broken a rib. And that was a harbinger of what was to come when he would eventually fall and break his hip and then that would eventually take his life. My mother-in-law, Jamie's mom, ongoing health issues for decades, but in these last handful of years, constant trips to the hospital and last fall, constant trips to the hospital and we knew that her time was getting short and that we were going to lose her. And some other things going on in my life that were very discouraging to me at the time. And I remember just thinking, gosh, God, are you doing anything? Where are you? Where are you in my life? And it felt profoundly lonely. And I'll never forget this because it made my thankfulness journal. And I actually had forgot it until I went back and read it yesterday, actually. So I'm feeling this way and struggling with this. And in the middle of my day, I get this phone call. So I pull out my phone and it's Ron Bergen. Now, probably a number of you don't know who Ron Bergen is, but he's one of our global missions staff. I always read the newsletters of all of our global mission staff. So I have a pretty good idea of what's going on with them, but rarely do I talk to any of them personally because they're overseas. And we just obviously don't cross paths very often. But Ron Bergen, in the middle of the day, calls me and he's literally in the jungles of Colombia. He oversees a, a number of ministries with Campus Crusade for Christ in South America. And there's still many times he's out in the bush somewhere and he's calling me literally from the jungle of Colombia. And he says, Jay, I know we haven't talked in a while, but the Holy Spirit told me I need to call you right now and tell you what God is doing. And he said, so here goes. And he takes half an hour and tells me about all these people who have never heard about Christ, who are receiving Christ in these remote jungle tribes where the gospel has never gone before. And they've got people right and left choosing to follow Jesus. And they're seeing the Holy Spirit doing all these amazing things. And Ron himself is talking about, man, God is doing this and this. And he says, I know that we haven't talked in a really long time, but God told me to call you and to tell you that. 
And I said, Ron, thank you so much. And I hung up the phone and then I said, thank you, Jesus. God knew what I need when I needed it. And he's that kind of God. It will come to you in a text or a phone call or a card or a post or a sermon or even in a song. God will give you what you need just when you need it because to walk in the spirit, to keep in step with him means he's always at work even when you don't see it. And he will give you what you need when you need it. And there are some of you right now who are in a difficult place. This is a hard season for all of us, for sure. But for some of you, it's particularly hard. And there could be any number of reasons why. But you have to know, you need to know, you have to remember that there is a God who always goes with you, whose spirit is always working in your life. And he goes into the fire with you. And we're going to sing about that and remember that now. And this world that so desperately needs Jesus Christ, this broken world, will know that we are Christians by our love, by how we love God and by how we love one another. And we can do this as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, as we live out the power in the presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives. Because Galatians 2.20 reminds us of this once again. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. And this life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So go and live for him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for being with us this morning. Moms, happy Mother's Day. May God bless all of you. And we'll see you here once again next week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.